a few weeks ago from Pastor Ray, and he talked about getting ready. And that was right in line with what was on our hearts, and, and we all need to be ready for him to return to us, uh, to get us, and so that we can all be in the ultimate kingdom of God in heaven. And we, and we heard from Lafayette Scales about our journey, remember, about drifting and sifting and shifting and lifting, and, and where are we in that journey as we approach the end times. And, and then we heard from Tony Cook just this weekend, you know, he talked about all of us are priests in his kingdom. And, and, and there's some really powerful messages that Christ is bringing to his church for us to start to take action on and really to start moving on. And this, this message, as Pastor John has said, has been on my heart for a while. And uh, interesting that as I prepared the notes and, and really prayed over them, what's here is a lot different than what I thought was going to be here. And I think for you guys, that's good. <laughs> because that means it's by him and not by me. But before we do anything else, I mean, I'm happy to stand and teach, but I can't teach you anything when it comes to the kingdom of God. So I would invite you guys to pray with me uh, that the ultimate teacher who lives in all of us will teach us. He's the one who's going to bring us to be more like Christ as we approach the word tonight. I can't do it. I, I just need to be his voice and his vessel. So let's pray that I can do that and that you can hear him and, and not me. Father, we, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you that we have the privilege to come together safely. And we realize that even as we prayed earlier about our brothers and sisters in Haiti, where it's not a safe place, we have a safe place. And Father, we pray that we can use this safe place to hear your voice clearly and that we can be a witness here where we are in our space. And so for tonight, Lord, for the saints who are gathered here together physically and those who are watching online, uh, and for those who may not know you who are, are here or tuning in, Lord, we pray that your voice is spoken tonight. Lord, you said that your sheep would hear your voice. And so we look for that tonight through your Holy Spirit to hear your voice and stir in our hearts to receive your word, to receive it in a way that is not just uplifting or filling but it's motivating and it moves us to change and to become more like you. Helps to see you for who you are and to move in the way in which you want us to move and to live in the way in which you want us to live because it's not just about us. There are many, many people out there who need to see you in us. So equip us tonight as we go through your word. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. All right, the kingdom of God. So... Who is in the kingdom of God? This is part of that participation thing. How many of you would say you are in the kingdom of God? Show of hands. Okay? It is really with these bright lights. Tough to see, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to trust that everybody raised their hands. And, I, and online, I'm not... Oh, there you are. Um, so I imagine that if you're at home, and, and, and I want you to think about that question, are you in the kingdom of God? And if you say yes, my next question is, how do you know? How do you know you're in the kingdom of God? Anybody, shout it out. How do you know? Okay, come on. Somebody has to have an answer. How do you know you're in the kingdom of God? It's not a trick question. You're a follower of Jesus. What else? Somebody? I want to hear that one more time. Okay. Uh, and, and what else? Because you prayed... You prayed the sinner's prayer, maybe? Does that get you in the kingdom of God? And, or is it because the Bible says so? How do you know you're in the kingdom of God? 
I mean, if you can't answer that question yourself, how are you going to tell somebody else? Kind of thought-provoking, right? Flora? Yes. When we accept him into our life, she says, then he is in us and we are in him. Then you are in the kingdom of God. Very good. Good answers. I mean, some of you online, I think you were trying to say because Pastor John told you so. Well, I mean, that's not a bad start. His authority is not him. It's just the word, right? It comes from the Bible. It comes from God. So not a bad start. So, so you need to know how to answer that question. One of the things you also should have in that answer is because you have an inner witness. There's a Holy Spirit inside of you. And that's the one thing that no one can take away from you. You know that you know that you know. Right? That's the witness that tells you that you're in the kingdom of God. So, so let's, let's take a look at what the scripture says. We're going to go through. This is Wednesday night Bible study. I've got a fair amount of scripture to go through with you. Let's go through that and see what the scripture says. And we're going to start in the gospel of John. And we're going to go through John chapter 3 and verse 3 through 6. And here you see is on the screen... Uh, Jesus answered and said to him, of course, this is Nicodemus, right? The, uh, a religious man, a, a good man, wants to know. He comes seriously and he says, how do, how do I enter the kingdom of God? Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus scratches his head and said, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is making it more real now, right? And he clarifies even further. He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We see here, to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Now, how many of you think that when you go up to somebody in the world who really knows nothing about the church except what they've heard in the media and on TV, and if you said to them you have to be born again, how would they receive that? Does that have a positive connotation, do you think? No. Right? And even in Nicodemus' day, he's like, huh? You know, have you lost your wig? What's going on? What do you mean? So Jesus clarifies it. He says not only do you need to be born of water, but a spirit. And again, water. Well, of course, when we're born, we know that prior to emerging, we're, we're in, the, in the fluid, and when the woman's time to give birth, she, her water breaks, right? So she's born, you're born of water. The water breaks. It's time to be taken out of the womb. And, uh, and then further, we know as adults, science tells us that about 60% of our body is actually water. That's why it's so important to stay hydrated. You know, keep drinking your water because you, you are water. You're born of water. And Jesus uses the word born of water or born of the flesh almost interchangeably. We all know about being born of the flesh, right? But the thing he says more importantly, he says, unless you are born of the flesh and of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So it's really vitally important that we recognize that in this new birth experience that we are not just getting salvation, but we're getting the Spirit of God. So, so how do you get this? How does this happen? 
So what, the first thing it starts is, and for those of you who are watching who may not have ever understood this before, and you're curious, how, how do we do this? It starts with the curiosity. It starts with think, seeking and asking. It starts with searching. You know, the, the sometimes when I have the opportunity to talk to colleagues in, in, my, in my business space, um, the first question I ask them is, well, would you even think there's a God? You know, you have to start thinking way out there. Is there a spirit realm? Start to think about these things and meditate on them, and God will start to show you. We see in Matthew 6 and verse 33, a famous verse, amongst all those things that we need and are worried about on this earth, Jesus pulls it out, the real issue. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those other things that you worry about, those things will be added onto you. But it starts with seeking first that kingdom of God, right? Let's look at a, a broader scripture in Luke chapter 11. And we'll read 19 through, uh, yeah, verse 9 through 13, not 19, that's it. So, I say to you, ask, Jesus says, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. A lot of great promises there for everyone Everyone, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And he goes on with some examples. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Uh, or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we have the opening, we have the opportunity to go to God and ask him, I want to be in the kingdom of God. And to be in the kingdom of God, I now understand that part of that is receiving your spirit into my spirit. And if I ask you as my father for the spirit, you said ask and you would give it. Seek and I would find it. Knock and it will be open and that Holy Spirit will come to me. So it starts with seeking and then asking and now your job is to open your heart to receive him. He's all ready to receive you, believe me. You just have to start that asking and start that seeking and now open your heart to receive him. And when you do that, some very amazing things happen. Really amazing. 600 years before Jesus even walked the earth, one of his prophets, Ezekiel, he, he prophesied this in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What's Ezekiel saying 600 years before Jesus even came and talked about being born again? Ezekiel is saying, look, you who are in the world are hard-hearted. You can't hear the voice of God. You have a hard time really understanding right from wrong. There's a heart of stone in you. But when you ask, when you seek, when you receive, God will open that door. And not only will he come in and bring your own heart to a softness, to a heart of flesh. He'll bring life to your own heart so that you can start to hear the voice of God. But he will also deposit a new spirit in you, which will be his spirit. That's amazing. That's some amazing, life-changing things that happen when you come into the kingdom of God. But what's this Holy Spirit thing have to do with the kingdom of God? How does, how does it relate? Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. 
And here we see that Jesus, or, or God, I should say, He, God, has delivered us from the power of darkness. And He's conveyed us into the kingdom, kingdom, notice, of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So as you start to get a softer heart, as you start to be able to see and hear the voice of God, you start to understand, wait a minute, life on earth isn't just as it appears. It's not just, you know, the one with the most toys at the end wins, right? It's not just the survival of the fittest and the things that we're taught in this world. That there's another realm out there. And you start to realize, wait a minute, maybe I've been part of that realm of darkness in the previous verse. Maybe, maybe I've, I've been in that and I want to get into the kingdom of his dear son, of the son of his love, of Jesus. So, so maybe you're starting to realize that there's something more there that you need. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he, is up there? Yep. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. So here's this transformation that takes place when we talk about the kingdom of God. You have the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit and become out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And not only that, but you get this fantastic exchange between your sinfulness and Jesus' righteousness. That's an amazing deal amazing deal and we should wake up every day thanking God for this deal and meditating on all the wonderful things that took place the day that we decided to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ it's something that we lose sight of as Christians particularly those who've been in the body a long time we start to think well I'm saved I'm going to heaven that's good for me and you lose sight of all these other beautiful things that took place in your transformation Things that should excite you here on this earth and motivate you to go tell everybody else about it. Now, for those of you online, if there's anybody in here, you're probably wondering now, if you've not done this, how do you get in on this deal? How do you participate in these great promises that God has made? Well, it's not that hard, really, and most of us have done this. But if you look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, we see that it says, if you confess with your mouth, if you speak out, the Lord Jesus. In other words, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. If you say that, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, which, by the way, is how he paid for your sins. He had to die to pay for your sins so that he could give you his righteousness. And now he's raised from the dead. If you do that, you will be saved. Next verse. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made to salvation. What I'm trying to say to you, if you haven't done this before, is that it simply takes an act of faith and you will receive these wonderful promises by grace through faith, simply by making a confession of faith. The price has been paid. It's a free gift. It's a gift of love because God doesn't want anybody to be apart from him. And he wants you to be a part of his kingdom too. And in fact, while we're in this position, while we're in this place where we laid out the groundwork for salvation, I would like to ask anybody here in this room, if there's somebody who would say, Brother Gordon, I want in. That sounds like a good deal for me. I will tell you, when I, when I prayed this prayer, I was actually a door-to-door -door salesman. 
and I was knocking on doors down in, down in, in North Carolina in the Bible Belt, and it seemed like every other door somebody asked me if I was saved. And I'd say, no, you want to buy some books? And they'd say, no, and I'd go to the next door. So it was pretty simple. But then one day, somebody said, are you saved? And I said, no. And they said, well, do you want to be? Huh. Never thought about that before. But immediately, all the things I learned in children's church and, and, and uh, vacation Bible school kind of flooded back into my mind. And I thought, well, being a Christian, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Don't lie, you know, honor your parents. Sounded good to me. I didn't have any issues. I was hoping to get a sale, actually. So, so anyway, right there and then, uh, the man at the door, he, he, he read those scriptures from Romans 9 and 10 to me, and we prayed this prayer, and at that moment, I became part of the kingdom of God. That's all it took. So for you, if you haven't done this, anyone in the house tonight or anyone watching online, we're going to say this prayer. And I invite all of you to join with me. And if you pray this and mean it, uh, I'll have some instruction for you afterwards. But let's, let's pray for you to become part of, the, part of the kingdom just as I have and most of us here have. Say this after me. Say, Father God, I know that I have not lived righteously. And I know that you are a holy God. And now I understand that you've made a way for me to be saved. So I ask Jesus to be Lord. And I believe that you have raised him from the dead. And now according to your word, wash me in your blood, fill me with your spirit, and allow me to be part of your kingdom. So I can serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. That wasn't so hard, was it? Now, if you prayed that for the first time, or for those of you who remember when you prayed it, you may have felt something right away. You may not have. But that's not the point. You will eventually if you haven't felt it now. What I need you to do now, if this has been the first time you prayed that prayer, is I need you to think about that and meditate on it. And I'd like you to call the church tomorrow and tell somebody that you prayed that for the first time. And we'll be happy to send some information out to you that helps you to understand a little bit more what I've explained to you tonight and give you some encouraging words on how to proceed. You have just begun your journey with the Lord. And I'll tell you what, we've been doing this, most of us, for decades, and it is an exciting journey. It is a life-changing journey. And it is something that you will never forget for the rest of your life. So thank you for joining the kingdom of God. Now, I have all of your attention all of you who are online or here, all of you have prayed this prayer. All of you are now part of the kingdom of God. A a a would you all agree? Amen. Amen. We are part of this family. It's pretty cool that Tony Cook talked about all of us being priests in this kingdom. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about the kingdom part of the kingdom. But yes, you are all priests in this kingdom if you prayed that prayer, which means you have priestly capabilities and priestly responsibilities. Amen. But that's all good. That's a, that's a positive thing. Wow. So you're here. Now, look at Romans 15, 13, and this is a prayer Paul prays. He says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. These are amazing promises. Those of us in the body of Christ, if you think about the words just in the first 15 minutes, however long I've been up here, 
Um, we've talked about some amazing words, power and, and joy and peace and righteousness all wrapped up in the name of Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God. That's some great stuff. And all of us are a part of that. We all just said that. So that's all the fun stuff. Now, now we're going to get a little bit more real. And that's real. That's the wrong word. Now we're going to get to where the world is today. Because righteousness, peace, and joy, these are things the world needs to see in us, right? Why are people not lining up to get in on the deal I just described to you? They don't see no difference. Woof, couldn't have said it better myself. And why don't they see a difference if we all just acknowledge the difference that's in us? Well, we're going to talk about that tonight and the next week. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good for us. Because it's important that they see that difference. And it's important that we're zealous to share those truths that I just talked about. It's not just about salvation. That's important. But more importantly, it's that relationship with God. God is a relational God. When he put Adam on the earth and put man on the earth to begin with, it says man was made in the image and likeness of God. And what that means is he was made to be like his children. Any of you who are parents know you want a relationship with your children. You want to be close to them. You want to hear from them. You want to help them. You want to hold them when they hurt, applaud them when they do well. It's about a relationship, Almighty God, the one who created everything. And yes, salvation is there because everyone knows that we deserve punishment. We haven't been holy. We haven't been righteous in and of our own selves. But in Christ, we are. And that now brings us to that relationship. So vital. And we need to be zealous. Let me hear from you guys. What do you think when, when, when somebody who doesn't know any of this, somebody, again, in the world, somebody who, who understands the Christian by what they hear on media and sitcoms and so forth and so on, what kinds of words do they use to describe the kingdom of God or the church today? What, what kind of words do you hear? What, what do you hear? Anybody? It's okay. You can tell me the truth. It's not going to be blasphemous or anti-faith. What do you hear? Judgmental? Come on, there's more and worse. Come. Hypocrisy? Irrelevant? Good word. Are you, <laughs> are you one of those born-agains? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Craziness, huh? And, and what else? I mean, homophobic, right? Pedophile, right? Bigot, right? Um, against a woman's right to choose, right? Uh, out of touch with science. Science has proven the earth is much older than 6,000 years. You know, so, so it's, it, it, it's, it's sad to think about when you say you're part of the kingdom of God or you're, or you're part of the church, what that means to the world. And, and that's an indictment on us. It's an indictment on the body of Christ because we represent God today on the earth, don't we? And so somehow we're not getting the message I just described to you out in the right way. We're not living it out in the right way. I'm going to just kind of let that settle in a little bit, you know, because this is heavy. 
And, 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 and I, I, I'm not saying this to condemn anybody. I'm saying this out of love. You have to understand, too, my background, I mean, I, I, I have a degree in mechanical engineering, and, and I've served in the business world my whole life. And things to me are logical and straightforward, and when there's a problem, I want to fix it. It's good, except that when my wife doesn't want me to fix it, she just wants me to listen. Then I need to learn to listen, <laughs> which I think I do okay. But anyway, I want to fix it. Because Christ is going to come back for his bride who's going to be a perfect church without spot or wrinkle. And he doesn't want to leave anybody behind, so he's counting on us. Hebrews talks about when is he coming back? After we have done the will of God, Hebrews chapter 10 says. Then the promise of the Father will come. And it goes on to talk about his return. So he will come when we have done the will of God, but we have to understand what the world sees today and what we need to do to change to have the world see God in the right way. And I would also propose to you that this negativity that comes to the church today is not persecution. It's ridicule. And it may be just in some cases. One reason I believe that we get ridiculed is that when somebody asks us about our faith, we tell them, what the Bible says. And that's not a bad thing. The scriptures are true and they're powerful and capable of dividing between soul and spirit. And, and so we know that going to the Word is a safe place to go. The trouble is you're going to the Word that can only be understood with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So for the one who's not born again, who's not in the kingdom of God, he can't fully understand the Word. Again, when I was born again, when I was saved, somebody read me the word, but there were seeds in there that blew up. And I, was, I had a right heart and was ready to receive. So I'm not discounting the word and the power of it. It's important to do. But think about it from a standpoint of somebody who doesn't know any better and, and was just like, you know, why do you go to church for two hours on Sunday? Don't you watch the, pre, the pregame warm-up for football? Well, no, I go to church. <laughs> why? Well, because the Bible says so. Well, think about how someone of the world might think about the Bible today. And these are things I've heard. I'm just going to share these with you. God punishes unfairly. All they did was eat the wrong fruit. Does that sound fair to you? Outside of what we know about that? Right? God supports genocide. If you read the Old Testament, well... Let's make room for the Israelites. Kill this crew, kill that crew, kill that crew. Why would you support a God who supports genocide? God hates the homosexual. Can't, you know, can't have any of those. He only allows certain people into heaven. These are things the world's going to say, not, not the reality of the word of God. So don't get me wrong. I'm not blaspheming the word of God. I just want you to understand how someone from the world might perceive when you approach them with with, with Bible, and they say, well, again, you know, science has shown, Big Bang, evolution, world's been around a billion years, whatever, right? So they see all these negative things that, that they hear about in the Bible, and they're like, no thanks. I would even say to you that people who grew up in the church, who learned the Word and never met the author of the Word, thinks these things. So it's not enough that we approach the world with the word because we'll just invite ridicule let me say this true persecution comes not because of what we believe 
but because of who we know. And that person is Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. When you stand up and say you know Jesus, now you're going to find some persecution. When you stand up and represent him and speak for him, now you'll have the persecution. Not that you, you want it, but Jesus said be of good cheer. He has overcome that. But the ridicule is something different. And that's something that's on us. So we need to figure that out. The world will allow you to believe anything you want. I mean, just think about it. I remember years ago, Debbie and I, we were at, at the 700 Club years ago in, in Virginia Beach. And, and somebody was using the comparison of how, how open the world is. I mean, they would take as much from Rush Limbaugh as they would from Madonna. Those were the examples back then, right? The extremes. And now those extremes are way beyond those guys. And, and you can believe anything you want in the name of tolerance, right? So that's okay. Hey, you be you, I'll be me. You know, that's cool. You, be, you believe what you want. But when you start to walk up to them in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's a difference. That's an impact maker. And that's what we need to be doing. So, so with that in mind, when we say, yes, I'm part of the kingdom of God, and then we see what the kingdom of God means to the world. Now we have to step back and say, all right, what's it supposed to look like? So we're going to take the next few minutes and talk about some of the scriptures that speak to the kingdom of God. You guys still with me? No throwing stones or nothing? I mean, I, again, it's in the heart and the spirit of trying to realize who our audience is when we represent Christ and it's the lost and what perspective or mindset might they be coming from. And when we understand that and know that, we have a better opportunity to love on them in the right way. Jesus, you think about Jesus when he walked on the earth. He ate dinner with the sinner. And he argued with the religious folk. We've gone the other way around. We argue with the sinner and eat dinner with the religious folk. I never heard that before. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so what should the kingdom of God look like? Here's our key scripture for tonight and next Wednesday, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Anybody remember that Ron Canoli song? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's, a, I mean, music is such a great way to remember some key things. And Ron Canoli had some good ones. And that's one that just sticks in my mind. And sometimes I just come right out. Now, <laughs> just the other day I started whistling F troops. So there's other stuff in there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now you might say, oh, brother, that's great. When we get to heaven, we'll have righteousness, peace, and joy. But that's not the context of Romans 14. Paul's writing to the church in Rome and he's explaining to them. He's saying, look, if you, if you are... In the kingdom of God, you're struggling because this is a new thing for you. And you're in an environment and in a world where, where meat is sacrificed or animals are sacrificed to idols. And then now that you're part of Christ, you don't know if you can eat it or not and if it's blasphemous. And how do we live? How do we walk out this Christian life? And that's what he's trying to explain, Paul, is in the 14th chapter of Romans. And so this is a here and now question and perspective, not something in, the, in, in when we get to heaven. The kingdom of God here and now is not about your rules, your do's and your don'ts and how do you approach these things in a religious way. 
It's no, you should be walking in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Think about the world today. Think about the world around you. Look at the news. Look at how your coworkers are. Look at how your family members are who don't know Jesus. Do you see righteousness, peace, and joy? You don't see it, right? How much does the world need to see that? Now, here's a harder question. Look at the church today. Joanne said it. Do we look any different? Do people come through the doors of your church or my church and see righteousness and peace and joy amidst a pandemic, amidst layoffs, amidst bad news, amidst bickering and fighting in Washington and so many things that are just wrong with this world? Oh, how much does the world need righteousness and peace and joy? But it has to be genuine. You know, it can't be, hey, great to see you, and then you never hear from them again. Love you, brother. And then you never talk to him. Can't, now, can't remember his name. Uh, that's on me, by the way. <laughs> God just told me to say that to myself. Got to do better with names. <laughs> but it's important that we realize that the church needs to represent righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. But with him in us, and as you meditate on that, and we'll talk about this more later in next week, you can have that. And we should be exuding that. Not just here, but wherever we go. When you go up and pay for your gas or get a, 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 some mints and a loaf of bread, you, you should be oozing that joy, that peace. People should look at you in the eye and go, man, you must have had a good day today. So I had a good day every day in Jesus. Would you like to meet him? You know, whatever the opportunity is. But they need to see it in you. You can't walk in, oh, woe is me, pandemic's not gone again, I've got to put this stupid mask on. Put the mask on and smile through your eyes, right? Just rejoice regardless. These things in the world just bring us down, and they shouldn't in the name of Jesus. Let's look at another scripture, 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Hmm. What's the example Pastor John uses? I don't even remember the, the bishop who, who read the book of Acts and he said when Paul went everywhere, he was persecuted. When I go places and talk about Jesus, they serve me tea, right? It's like, it, it, it's like oh, you believe that? Here, some tea. <laughs> but, but Paul went, the reason he was persecuted was because they had power behind his words. And when he rebuked his church for unbelief or whatever, his word was with power, demonstrated with power. And it's an amazing thing that today we have a lot of preaching and a lot of teaching. We should have a lot of power to go with that. Covet that. Look for that. Expect that. We should be expecting all the time a prophetic word. Expect all the time a tongue and interpretation. Look for that healing to come. Look for a miracle. These are promises in God. And I'm not talking about that so that you can be blessed. I'm talking about that so you could demonstrate the kingdom of God has come near to you. And when you talk about the kingdom of God, those blessings, those signs and wonders will follow you. But you've got to expect it. That's part of what lifts you up. It says, wow, there's a power in me that, that I can't explain, but let me pray for you. Right? Not just word, but with power. There's some interesting scriptures that talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 
uh, verse 17, put that up there. In the New King James, it says, We are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God and in Christ. And, and I asked for the amplified classic version of the same. I don't know if you have that. Yes, let's look at this. It breaks it out a little bit more. We are not like so many, like hucksters, making a trade of, peddling God's word, shortchanging and adulterating the divine message. But like men of sincerity and the purest motives, as commissioned and sent by God himself, we speak his message in Christ the Messiah, the Savior, in the very sight and presence of God. When we come and bring the word, it's not so that you can come and join our church so that we can buy a new building. It's not because the numbers are down and we need more tithes and offerings. It's not because um, we're competing with the church down the street or because we need you because you're a good bowler and we have a church bowling league. We don't have that, but I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> It's not about this life. And so, so many people have taken the word of God, watered it down, brought a message of wonderfulness, but they have no power in it. They've lost the power. It's become a tradition. And therefore, the world looks at it and goes, I don't see nothing different. Quote, Joanne. <laughs> looks to say, I don't see anything. Why should I believe that? So it's important when we bring the word of God, it's not that the word is bad, the word is good, it's very, very good. Know the word and, and bring the word, but you bring it with power. And you bring it as if God himself is standing there and you, when you say in Jesus' name, you realize you're standing in his stead, in his shoes, in his robe and sandals. When you have that kind of power, when you have that kind of presence and awareness always, and not only that, when you became part of the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit was inside you already. He's already there. The Spirit of God Almighty is already in you. So you have a right to say that. But you have to be aware. And think about who's in you and stir that up in you so that he then comes out of you. So that it's not you speaking at all, it's him. He gives you the words to say when you need to say them. He will tell you. So it's amazing, but then we see the world has just taken this and turned it into a game or, or a huckster or shuckster or, you know, uh, doing it for their own gain. And they maybe have the sincerest of heart, but the world can see through that eventually, right? Let's read a few more. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28. Jesus says, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God... Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Do you see the kingdom of God in that scripture? What's it associated with? Casting out demons, right? So there we can see that in the kingdom of God, we should expect the ability when we see a demon, and first of all, we need to be able to see. <laughs> see into the spirit realm, right? Understand, is this a sickness or is this a demon, right? And then when we can see what the root cause of the issue is, then we can solve it. Cast it out in the name of Jesus because you're part of the kingdom of God right? The kingdom of God contains the spirit of God and there's no spirit, no demon that's bigger than the spirit of God or has more authority or more power, right? So, so that's in the kingdom of God. Do demons flee from you when you, when you walk about? I mean, you read some of the testaments of Smith Wigglesworth and, and Finney and those. I mean, they would just walk into a place and, and, a, and, and a demon would start flinging someone around and they cast it out. That's how we all can be. 
because, as Tony Cook said, we are all priests. We all have that anointing. That all, we all have that presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Luke chapter 10 and verse 9. Jesus sends out his disciples. And, and this isn't just the 12 now. This is the 70. And he says, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God. Jesus, at that time, Jesus was the only one in the kingdom of God because he was the only one subject to the king. So when he came into a city as the kingdom, because that's where the Holy Spirit was at the time, right? To be in the kingdom of God, you must be born of the Spirit. He was born of the Spirit. So he is now the kingdom of God coming into a new city. His disciples went out in his name, in the name of the kingdom of God, and they healed the sick and said, get ready because the kingdom of God is at hand. Cool. He sent us, didn't he? Into the world, in his name, filled with the Holy Spirit. Heal the sick there and tell them the kingdom of God is, is right here. Wow. That's amazing. Look at Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can you see the amount of authority the kingdom of God has? Whatever. Whatsoever. So there's an amazing authority that comes with that. And of course, as we learn in spiritual authority, authority is only given after a responsibility. And Tony Cook talked about that. He says, as priests, you have a responsibility to carry out. And as a priest, you have the authority to do it. Very, very important. Wow. So, so why is all of this spoken of so often and exercised so poorly? Can I be real? I mean, are you guys like, are you following me? Can you relate to this? Right? Because I, I don't, I don't, if it's just me who's having trouble like healing the sick every day, you know, okay, then it's the problem's with me. But I don't see it in the church. And I don't mean this church. I mean as a whole. Where, where is it? Right? So something seems to be wrong in our presentation of Jesus. Let's pull up another scripture that references the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel, that's the good news, of the kingdom of God. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what do you see associated with in this scripture about the kingdom of God? What word stands out to you? It's at hand. Repent. Now, in the context, when you see these verses, and Matthew uses the kingdom of heaven, and, uh, uh, but he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. In context, he's talking about those who are hard-hearted, those who have the heart of stone, those who have yet to see Jesus, which in his day was everybody, right? Because all have sinned and called, come short of the glory of God. And so, so he's really referring to everybody to repent, to change your ways, to change your thinking so that you can see or recognize the kingdom of God and actually receive from it or from him. So the word here is repent. That's what I want to bring out to you. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's within your grasp. 
Today, we can say it this way. Righteousness, peace, and joy are at hand. They're in our grasp. They're right in front of us, or right inside of us, truly. The kingdom of heaven. Righteousness, peace, and joy. But we're not seeing it, and therefore we need to repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Scary word, isn't it? Repent. Right? I thought I did that. Didn't I repent and all my sins were taken away? Well, no. You confessed your sins. You acknowledged you were a sinner. And Jesus took your sins away by his blood and gave you his righteousness. That's what being in the kingdom of God is. But what is repent? Repenting is really just changing your mind. It's seeing things a different way. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 9 through 11. Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. We just talked about that, didn't we? Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So anybody within the sound of my voice, if you're not sure that you have the Spirit of Christ, you want to make sure you do. We can pray that prayer again whenever you want to. We can look, you need to look for that. You can pray it yourself. You don't need anyone to pray with you. Look to ask God to have the Spirit of God in you. Because if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not His. But if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit who raised, uh, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through the Spirit who dwells in you. So in other words, that if you are part of the kingdom of God, Jesus lives in you, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you are now made alive in Christ, and, and therefore you need to look like and act like Him. I'm going to give you two more scriptures of repentance, and then uh, we may have to wrap up. But anyway, let's look at what the... We talked about repentance, particularly as it relates to the sinner coming into the kingdom. Now let's look at repentance as it relates to the church, shall we? Revelation chapter 3. And I'm going to give you two scenarios here, and we'll talk about these. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Jesus says to the church, And to the angel of the church at Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. That you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Verse 3, Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. This is a message to the church those who have already received the Spirit of God inside of them. And yet somehow, some way, that truth they have lost sight of. And so they call themselves the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus or whatever they call themselves. But the head of the church says they're dead. So in name we say we're alive, but in action we're dead. 
But there's hope. He says, repent. He says, remember how you received. Remember that first time you realized the Holy Spirit of God was inside of you? You jumped for joy. I did. I mean, there was a... When you get a hold of that, sometimes now you read the Bible and it goes off inside you, you jump for joy. Stir yourself up in that. The world has a way of putting a blanket on that, doesn't it? Same with the church back in the day. It's nothing new. Jesus says, repent. Look at Revelation chapter 3, 19 through 22. Another church. As many as I love, and this is what I think he's doing for us tonight, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Because he loves us. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the head of the church talking to the body of the church. This is the king of the kingdom of God talking to the subjects of the kingdom of God. And in certain areas, he is not pleased. That's why Jesus taught us in the beginning when we said, how do we pray? He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In other words, not everything on the earth today is his will. And it's our job as a church to get his will done. Not by our own power, but by that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us so that then the end can come. There's a destiny that we have in this. Repent does. It just means, it means change. And it has a connotation of changing because of what you learn. The Greek word, and I'll finish with this, is metaneo. And it's comprised of two Greek words, meta and neo. Actually, metanoio, I think is how it's said. You're not a Greek scholar either, right? Metanoio. Meta and noio. And, 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 and meta is with or, or after, and noio is what you know, yo. So metanoio is what you know, yo. And meta is like afterwards. Or after you've experienced something, what are you going to do about it? In a sense. Right? So, so if you're in the world today, you don't know you're a sinner. You just think you're living life as good as... Or maybe you know you're a wretch, but what does it matter? You don't realize that there's a, there's a life after. You don't know that there's a judge of what you're doing. You don't know about all the things we know, right? But when someone explains to you, hey, God loves you, oh, now that you know that God loves you, repent because of what you know. And it's in other words, what do you do with that knowledge now that you know? That's what repent means. So when, when the disciples were sent out saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand, oh, there's a kingdom of heaven? Oh, I should be baptized and be washed for the rest of my sins, Right? But if they didn't know there's a kingdom of heaven, they don't even know what a sin is. So, but once you know the word, once you know, understand something, now with that new knowledge, now you change your ways. That's repentance. It's not a bad word. It's not penitence. It's repentance. So I, my point in going through that definition for us tonight is, is to say, look, now that you understand that the Father is not pleased with the outcome, and now that you admittedly say, we're not pleased with it either, you have a, a knowledge... Now we have to change the way we think so that we can do better. That's all. It's a good thing. It's continuous improvement. That's what we talk about in the work world. Getting better all the time. Think differently. I always tell my team at work, a problem well-defined is half-solved. 
too often we go into a problem thinking we know the answer and we make it worse. So what we're going to do next week is we're going to define the problem a little bit, a little bit more in detail. We're going to talk about what is it that God wants us to repent from or change the way we think about. And I'll give you a precursor of what God laid on my heart and I want you guys to think about this over the week. If we're the kingdom of God, if righteousness, peace, and joy should exude from us everywhere we go, when somebody new comes into those doors, they go, wow, this is a different place. There's something real and different about this place. If that's what you want, pray. Pray this week. What does God want you to do differently? And how does he want you to do it differently? Because we can't make these changes in alone of ourselves. We can't make these changes based on willpower or because Pastor John told us to or, or simply because we feel bad about ourselves. We can only make these changes by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that's in us. But if we let him, woo, get ready. It's going to be a fun ride. So here's what I think. First of all is sinfulness. That's an obvious one, right? If there's sin, that's going to impede our ability to represent him well. We'll talk about that. The second one is selfishness. And this one can be a little more subtle. What are your real motives and what you do? Do you give because it will come back to you? Press down, shaking again and running. Or do you give because you love God? And by the way, a byproduct is that it will come back. Right? What are your motives? Are you selfish? Unforgiveness falls into selfishness. Right? And the last one is submission. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you right now, there cannot be two kings in God's kingdom. So that's what we'll talk about next week. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I hope you all come back. <laughs> now listen, uh, for those of you who, who just recently prayed the prayer and asked Jesus to be your Lord, I've got a special deal for you. If you act now and call the church tomorrow and let them know, you can actually be baptized on Sunday. You get a twofer, you get a double deal. You can accept Jesus as Lord, be baptized, which is a, a symbolic washing away of the old person and receiving in the new. It's an exciting day for everyone. And Jesus uh, commands all of us to be baptized. Now, if you've received Jesus a long time ago and you haven't been baptized, again, you still have opportunity to sign up to do that. And we'd be glad to uh, have you participate in the baptismal service on Sunday. So before we go, we've already asked you uh, to join uh, the kingdom, and, and so now you all are. The last thing we get the opportunity to do is to give. And giving is a, a, is a privilege. It's a blessing. It's an honor. And so uh, we, br we, we bring our tithes and we bring our offerings. Tithing already belongs to God. We're just giving it back to Him. And our offerings above and beyond that as we feel led. And there's different ways that you can give. You can certainly give... Uh, by texting and you can give by going online to the website you can deposit an envelope in the back of the sanctuary you can mail a check in or bring it to the office however it works for you we're happy to take it no matter how but your giving is really a, an expression of your love for the Lord and you recognize you're giving into good ground here because the, what you sow here not only helps this body but it also goes to the body around the globe churches in need like the one in New Orleans that we talked about new wine so give with a, with, a, with a gracious, a generous heart. And let's pray over that offering. Father, we thank you that you have given us in abundance. And we thank you that we can give back to you. And Father, we ask that you would bless the offering 
so that it would bear fruit, fruit that remains, that it would be used in your kingdom wisely. And we thank you that you would bless the giver, all of those who have given into this, this body, and return it unto them, Lord, that their baskets may be full. We thank you, Father, for the privilege to give and the anointing to give, and that the proper heart and motive of giving has been put in each and every one of us. So bless this offering that we're about to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and God bless. Amen. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his presence, for his word tonight. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing one more time before we go. Some very true words. How great is our God. How great.